you, Castle, and Colton. I'm ready. <laughs> That's our intro right there. <laughs> Sorry. There you got it. That's perfect. Uh, so welcome back to the Smart Report podcast. We are doing our final matchup in the first head-to-head round before we head into our Elite Eight. And our two Dukes today are, as Ingrid so helpfully told us, <laughs> Bucastle and Colton. So that is Bucastle Wolfric Bedwin from Mary Ballow's Bedwin series. The book is slightly dangerous. And Colton is what's his what's his name? Nicholas Francis Nick. Seaton. Uh thank you. Thank you. I, Nick have, I have it up on the paper. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Seaton, Duke of Colton from The Courtesan Duchess by Joanna Shoup. Smart Report! I'm Holly. I'm Erin. I'm Ingrid. Yeah, we're here to talk about our last two Dukes. So, Erin and Ingrid both nominated Wolfric Bedwin for our bracket. Oh, did so, you really, Ingrid? All right. All right. So, Ingrid, how about you tell us how, how Wolfric made it onto your list? Well, uh, I did my research on Reddit, so I did get some information there. Also, as it turns out, I did read this one. So that does help as well. But really, in in reality, it's because Reddit told me to. I was texting her earlier. I was like, wait, haven't you read this one? Because I own all of the books in this series. I was like, you have to have read it. She's like, I mean, yeah, but I don't remember. (laughs) Never. I don't remember any of the books. It's so. a gift, really. I can start it over from scratch at any time mm-hmm. and do the whole thing all over again. Yeah. Well, and I, when I was reading it, was like, oh, yeah, I have read this one. And I, I figured there was a 50-50 shot. Like, I know that I've read a bunch of Mary Ballow. Not recently, but one of my favorite romances ever is by her. So I figured I must have read quite a few of them. Okay, what's well, um, your favorite romances ever? Oh, The Secret Mistress. I don't know why I like it oh, so much. Oh, yeah. That one is just delightful, though. But, um, and I haven't read it in years. I don't own a copy of it, but it's in my head. It's one of my favorite romances ever. But anyway, this one, when it, like the quizzing glass, I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I've read this book. <laughs> the quizzing Wolfram glass Edwin is... was my book boyfriend for years. I was like, Shocking no one. Shocking no one. (laughs) I love him so much. I don't know. It was interesting going back and being like, does it still hit? So, yeah. And I hadn't read, I've read some Joanna Shoup, but I hadn't read The Courtesan Duchess at all. Yeah, I hadn't read it either. Yeah, I hadn't, I don't think I've read any Joanna Shoup. This is one that I think came from various social media recommendations. And I think it was more, you know, it, it, it's got a low seed going up against Bedwin. I was like trying to fill out the holes. And so this was kind of a, well, let's try this one and we'll see what happens. I did pick this one though. She has another book about a Duke and I picked this one because people were a lot more divided about whether or not the hero was a dick. Um, (laughs) I have feelings about that. Or whether his dicking dickishness worked i think we can all agree that he's a pretty big dick but when we talked about parameters we were like one of the things we talked about that i think has fallen by the wayside is that we kind of want the duke archetype to be kind of an asshole Mm -hmm. so we do have so it was like well 
he seems like he might fill this asshole thing. So maybe maybe it'll work. So. All right. Be interesting to uh, figure out how this rolls out. I do feel like the Joanna Shoup books, she's more famous for her Golden Age stuff and her recent mm. stuff. Yeah, and her Golden Age I stuff. I would have been. Yeah. This book is from 2015 and it felt like, I was like, oh man, there's some old school stuff going on in here. They're yeah, not having feelings about that. And, and which is wild to me because I'm the one who's like, yeah, give me that. <laughs> is it appropriate? Who cares? <laughs> I would like a scarf of red flags, please. <laughs> so I wondered if I know Holly's like cringe. Ingrid also. I think Ingrid can handle it more, but she also has a different threshold. <laughs> well, but see, here's the thing. For this the first book, place. I'm like, ah, scarf of red flags whatever it's fine i think i have a i have a very high tolerance for it in historicals and then zero tolerance for it in contemporary like that um it's true that meme that i sent to you from plot trysts that was like contemporary versus historical it's like the one that got holly the best was frat bros was like kombucha girl cringe and rakes or whatever it's like oh <laughs> It's true. It's, it's true, true, though. It's true, though. <laughs> I once went a, read a romance where the hero was kind of a, a frat bro who, like, played lacrosse in college. And I was just like, ew, ew, I do not like you. You do not deserve a happy ending. Goodbye. Oh, Can't deal with you. All right. Okay. Well, then, do we want to do our one-sentence summaries for these books? And who's well, going to start? Well, I think we have to, right? Yeah, I was going to prepare this time and I didn't, which I know we is going to make Ingrid when happy, you, but... I just like it when you wing it because you just never know what you're going to get. <laughs> 15 <laughs> sentences smashed together. <laughs> All right. Uh, what do you want to do first? Mm. Let's do the courtesan duchess. Okay. I'll go first. Mm. Okay. All right. <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> Neglected duchess comes up with incredibly ill thought out plan to win her husband back uh. <laughs> and surprising not this reader anyway <laughs> no one <laughs> it doesn't go so well but then it does actually kind of work out in the end okay okay Fair enough i will say manchild duke mm. runs Coming away from all of his responsibilities, including his 16-year-old wife, to gad about on the continent for eight years. Semicolon. Oh. Duchess in a tight spot decides to get herself out of it by pretending to be a sex worker to get a, an heir off of her husband. Period. I really don't know how. I mean, those were pretty concise. Let's see here. <laughs> Let's but then there's a bunch of other stuff that happens. <laughs> right. Damn, you guys don't like it when I get into all the things. Um, how about... Was, sorry. An abandoned duchess poses at a, as a courtesan to seduce her wayward husband, only to discover that actually she has feelings for him, and actually he's pretty mad about being deceived, and actually now <laughs> all of society suspects that maybe she cheated, and also, her, her husband might be in a murder plot. And also, she has nowhere safe to go. 
<laughs> the end. I do? Oh, right. I forgot about the stupid murder plot. Thank oh, my you. gosh. <laughs> I was like, You're what, is it, what is happening here? <sighs> so many feelings about this book. I can't wait. I'm so excited. <laughs> but All right. first. Right. One sentence summary first. for Wolfric Castle, Duke of my heart. <clears throat> All right. I'll start. Coldest, most high in the instep Duke is feeling sorry for himself and goes off to join a house party, but discovers that that was ill-advised, especially when a very irritating woman doesn't kowtow to him and becomes irresistible, thereby upending his entire highly structured, cold, organized life. Well, that's something. <laughs> I don't know. I was just like, let's be concise. I don't know. Holly. <clears throat> okay, here's my one sentence summary. Mary Ballow wrote some Darcy fanfic. <laughs> That's the end. I mean, not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and even the sister, like, I started listening to it. I was like, oh, this whole, like, mom and daughter situation is giving me some sense and sensibility energy too yeah i mean well i'm glad i don't have to fight you guys about this because i was prepared because <laughs> that's what it is though like she takes darcy right and, and dukeifies him but then instead of he wins lizzie bennett by showing her his fancy house and saving her reputation he shows her himself and that he sees her and what she really needs and like she takes darcy and then like makes him and puts him in an actual romance instead of maybe a social commentary book all right so i guess i'll go yeah. ahead and follow that up <laughs> anyway so that, there's my big thought of the day that's Sounds actually like fun <laughs> which is funny because i was going to be cheeky and say literary version of aaron's husband <laughs> only with a dukedom <laughs> falls in love with literary version of Aaron but with short curly hair <laughs> and no one is surprised that Aaron likes this book <laughs> Holly did text the chat and was like this is the Aaronest Duke ever it's the Aaronest Duke that's ever Aaron it really <laughs> is he really is it's like yep, yep. I mean my one of my top favorite moments is when they're in the ball and he raises his quizzing glass at her and then she raises his quizzing glass at him. <laughs> favorite. That was pretty funny. And then he laughs and like walks across the ballroom and he's like, "Why'd everyone stop talking? I don't, I don't get it." And then she's like, "Because you smiled." I know polar this is like vortex my of a man. favorite characterization of a hero. My favorite. Anyway. But I wondered, because Holly at our very first conversation pointed out that both Villiers and Bucastle are like the culmination of a series. This book is an end cap. And so we've spent, especially I think in this book, well, Villiers has a lot of prominent roles in mm -hmm. his series as well, but Bewcastle has been built up as so cold and so formidable for the preceding five books. Like we don't even we get little hints of his humanity um, and how much he loves his siblings in slightly larger increments. 
mm-hmm. uh, as the as the series goes on. I don't know if you rem- you guys did you read the whole series or do you remember the series at all? I don't remember. No. I don't remember not, anything. So the fifth book, we don't even really see some big feelings from him until we only one character sees him crying mm-hmm. when they think that his brother dies mm-hmm. in the fifth book. And, you know, up until that point, it's like he uses all of his power and all of his influence. So I really wondered when Holly pointed out, wait, this is an end camp book. And I think a lot of the buildup is going to be in the first five books. And this book as a standalone isn't going to work. Like, is that how it played out? And I don't know, Holly, what do you, that was your assertion. What do you think it ended up being? Well, I made that assertion just only knowing that it was the sixth book in the series. Um, And I felt it stood alone fine, except for towards the end where all of his siblings, he like invites all of his siblings to his house. And then we're like talking about all of them and all their kids and all their like matchmaking. And I'm like, I don't care about any of this. I'm sure that people who read all six books in the series really wanted to see that. And all their partners. Well, we did but, talk about epilogues. I mean, this is part of that whole conversation. It's part yeah, of that wish fulfillment component. Yeah, but I like really don't want to hear about all the babies these women are having. Oh, but my point is that I felt it stood alone just fine. Okay, and, so it's not a like and that I was worried about that, but I felt that his opening characterization was enough to show what kind of duke he was, and. It probably does hit harder when you see him being cold and detached with his siblings, but they give, she gives just enough back. Like when he talks about buying the commission for his brother, that I felt gave enough background information to show Mm. what kind of, what kind of character he was. Okay. So should we, should we dig into Bucastle then? And talk about what kind of duke he is, besides the kind of duke that Aaron likes the best. For er- anybody listening who doesn't, know I mean, it's Aaron. not just the kind of duke I like the best; it's the kind of hero I like the best. <laughs> okay, well, so is the kind of hero you like the best a good duke? So mm. I think in this case we have some good initial characterization for Bucastle. Mm-hmm. That. I don't know. I was wondering a little bit if I, if I, my, what does it do qualify as was informed by my, you know, early readings, including this book, or as we've talked about in the past, Avon. Mm-hmm. We didn't make it into the bracket, but I know because have. we didn't add any Georgette hair, which I think we can stand by, but we might have to do, do a Saturday Smutty Six to acknowledge some other standout Dukes, maybe. Yeah. But his characterization in the beginning, I mean, there's a point where Christine's friend comes to strong arm her into going to this house party. And it's because the Duke of Bucastle is coming and she needs the numbers to be even. And Christine says, well, thanks. She had heard of the Duke, though she had never met him. He was enormously powerful and top lofty and as cold as ice or so it was said. Right. And then later on, when all of the young women are at the house party, They also, like one of the young women, and this is all external, right? I think this is a great example of an author developing a character without explaining too much or explaining like from the own character's point of view. We're getting the external perceptions of the character, and that's giving us a great foundation of not only how he is, like, because when we're in his head, we understand that he's using it as a like self-protection technique, that he goes into this snobby headspace to like 
avoid talking to people <laughs> or avoid situations that he doesn't want to deal with. So Bucastle has more humanity on his end, but we still get like in the case of these young women talking about him, one of the women at this house party says he has only to step into a room to lower the temperature by several degrees. The man lacks all feeling, all sensibility and all heart. Mm -hmm. Um, Even the men at whites, you know, are in awe of him and avoid him. So we are definitely getting a picture of what this guy is and that he is cold, top lofty, right? Multiple times Mm -hmm. where top lofty is used. Um, so mm-hmm. that's an isolation thing. He's extremely powerful. Supercilious. Yes. Supercilious is he doesn't have sardonic brows. He has supercilious brows, <laughs> which is <laughs> much okay. more duke. To be fair, even as a th- old person, whenever I hear supercilious in my head, I think super silly. <laughs> so I always think he's like waggling them. Supercilious, but I know that's not correct. <laughs> I just wanted to share that so all of you can also think that now going forward. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you, Ingrid. <laughs> welcome. Anyway, no, I do think that Bucastle, it's pretty clearly set up. And I actually, in the beginning, I thought to myself, wow, do we really have to spend a whole chunk of this chapter in the study with Bucastle while he thinks about his dead mistress? But later, it was kind of, it kind of did set up because you don't get a whole lot of like what's going on in Bucastle's head. Mm-hmm. Even though he, even though there are sections with him, you know, like him being him, right? But he th- he's just so tightly wound up that that section in the beginning provides kind of a a little nest of warmth and tenderness that he had this ten year relationship with somebody, and it was private because it's a mistress and nobody knows about it. It was literally just the affection of between him and his mistress you know so mm-hmm. i think the author kind of but sets he still up this went warm. to her funeral and it's sincere enough that person. he went to her funeral yeah. in person yeah yeah in like so, some tiny village where but he was the only aristocrat right yeah. right yeah so i just i think she kind of sets up that he's deeply honorable and that there is this depth and this warmth to him you know he's got all of his siblings set up so and again this is after books and books where I assume he is kind of this, he sweeps in and cleans up messes or sweeps in and hands down edicts and stuff. That's kind of the impression that I yeah, got. I will never forget, just to illustrate this, I will never forget in the first book, um, Slightly Married, where he does not approve of his brother's wife at all. And he tries to kind of put the kibosh on that mm-hmm. situation for his brother. But when his brother's wife is facing legal trouble because her like adopted children are threatened to be taken away. He just walks into the courtroom and he's like, you're not going to do that. And the judge is like, okay. <laughs> I mean, it's a little more complicated. It was like, okay. And he's like, okay. And then he leaves. So I mean, starting from the jump. Yeah. That's exactly yeah, what it so is. So I, I just, I thought that was interesting. Cause in the beginning I, I initially was like, why are we even doing this? Like we don't need to spend so many pages on this, but I think it's because subsequently Bucastle is like so closed off and stodgy and you and you don't get very much right so like Mm -hmm. he's like oh I think I love you not really but ish and then she's like no you don't you don't have a heart and then he's like oh you're right okay bye I mean that's basically like (laughs) right but and you don't see what he's thinking in that moment right you just see from her perspective that she thinks she sees something in his face that he's upset but there's never any confirmation from her side or from his side 
explicitly how he takes this. I mean, and obviously in the story, he it this was a hugely important event for him because it makes him change his behavior. But it's not the reader isn't told like, oh, she said that to me and it hurt my fifis. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Although it bangles around in his brain quite a bit a bit later, but yeah, you, you right. doesn't right. say anything. Right. But yeah, I mean, and I think this is part of Mary Bellow's skill as an author and being able, this is classic showing, not telling and having this kind of cold hero be removed from the reader also, which is very effective if you're doing courtship from the heroine's perspective. Uh, as you guys, like, this is why you guys think Mary is, Mariana Zapata is so good, right? Because she like, mm-hmm. You, you have these closed off heroes that mm-hmm. they're Mystery. because you don't see in their head at all. But here it's like you're, she's not telling us his feelings. And I think also, of course, that also works because dukes are isolated or this kind of duke in particular. Yes. And that's true. And just thinking about Bucastle in terms of dukiness, I feel like him as a character, he's no like his personality or his character traits of being snobby or whatever, or maybe not that different from Leighton from the Sarah McLean. Yeah. That's probably why I like Leighton so much. Right. But But the conflict here is all about the division between who am I just a Duke or am I also a man? Right? Like, this is the whole plot conflict is about am I me or am I my title? Yeah, and he inherited at 17. So his entire life up to this point when he's he's 35, right, is duty. We hit duty again real big in this book and his Mm -hmm. duty to the title and his siblings. And we also have the class consciousness as this part of duty for not only his expectations for himself, but his expectations for his siblings early on in the book, or maybe not so early on. He's thinking about how all of his siblings married beneath them. And is he going to be like no better than them? Mm-hmm. Well, except for his sisters. His sisters may- married like Earl. Okay, his right? brothers married all of his brothers. Well, no, his. Yeah. So I, maybe he's thinking about his brothers and only uh, Alan is married like a baron's daughter or something. I don't, I, it baffles me and boggles the mind, Aaron, that you are actually remembering all of the marriages from that I cannot series. describe to you my love for this series. <laughs> I own all these books in paperback and I have owned them for years. But I mean, I think it's a holdover from childhood too. Like wh- I have read books since that this is definitely a youthful, like if I Revisit read it now, would I be as, th- you know, enamored of it and feel like, yes, it resonates. Absolutely you would. Come on yeah. now. Maybe. <laughs> I w- what I want to point out here is the efficacy of his first failed proposal mm-hmm. in illustrating his dukishness. All right, let's hear it. Because he goes in, he points out literally all the ways that he is a duke and she is not, and yet goes goes forward basically saying, but I'm a duke so I can do what I want. Like, my line is already established. I've got brothers and a nephew, like... I have all this money. I have the, all this social power. So even though you are a tiny ant beneath my shoe, 
mm-hmm. can pretty much marry you if I want to. And, and there's by that the way, Darcy proposal. <laughs> yep, <laughs> That's the exactly. Darcy dance. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> it, but, it, but like ramped up times a million. It's not, you know, it's like I can do what I want to and you are you are not just inappropriate because of your behavior, you're inappropriate because of who you are. Yeah, it was the whole thing. I mean, it was yeah. Sometimes in books that have done similar things, I have found myself annoyed with the heroine for being such a stickler for the, you know, rejecting the approve the proposal or whatever, the affections, mm-hmm. the olive branch. And in this one, I was like, go get him, honey. Because she was, <laughs> it was just so bad. Like, he was just so out of touch. He had no idea what he was doing. I imagine after reading the series, though, with him, like, coming in and being, like, Mr. Efficient, Capable Duke, that it probably is very satisfying to watch him squirm. However, oh, yeah. the point Locked that I was... Tra- wrecked. Wrecked yeah, just get wrecked. But the point <laughs> is that I feel like the proposal really sets up. He is isolated. Like... Mm-hmm. He has all this power and has finished wielding it for the betterment of his siblings. And he's wealthy. Mm -hmm. And I just think all of that was kind of like illustrated in that one little chunk where he proposed and she was like, (laughs) And you might have all of that and it doesn't matter. Yeah. I also think it was interesting. Don't you just want pretty dresses and like a carriage? (laughs) That's all you need from, right? Yeah. I think it's also interesting that this one, the focus is on the class difference and we have seen that before, but he is focused on the inappropriateness of the match, whereas other Dukes we've seen in past books don't care. Well, except for Leighton. Mm-hmm. Well, Leighton and Villiers, we had talked about Villiers needing his wife to have a certain social standing in order to succeed right. in his Right, goal. protect his children, yeah. But for other Dukes, it's like... It's not a a concept, so that was kind of yeah. But you know, Wolfric or Bucastle is different from Leighton in this way because Leighton is like, I can't have you because it would cause scandal for my family, and and his sister's already scandalous, right? And Bucastle is like, well, like he doesn't care about the scandals. He doesn't care what other people are going to say. He just thinks that she behaves Isn't inappropriately. Good enough for him. She, she makes behaves. him uncomfortable. Yeah. That's well, really what he there are so many that's times the only when he's just like, she just has no idea how to behave. Yeah. yeah. She has yeah, no idea it, how to behave. This woman doesn't know how to behave. Again, yeah, I, I, I have to like, parallel. <laughs> yeah. He's like entranced and irritated. Yeah. Right? Those are his words. So, But that makes it so much better when like he lets loose and jumps in the lake. You know, or he, oh man, you're right, guys. The construction of this book is just. Yeah. No, it's, it's, right. it's, it's except for. Like, she did get a strong siblings. start with Pride and Prejudice, but there's that. Yeah. <laughs> it, but it yeah. is a good, but I did like it anyway. So, uh, yes, I think, I think that we can say that he is a pretty dukish duke. He is so dukish, but uh, can I say one thing? We, I was hoping that I just feel like what Bucastle's dad did to him is like the worst case of bad Duke dad out of any of the books we read because he took this kid and broke his spirit and isolated him from his siblings in the name of love and duty and made everybody else think it was the right thing to do, including 
Matthew Castle himself. I suppose that would be worse than just like, oh, you're being locked in a cupboard. Like, very overt child abuse. Yeah. Or... I mean, yeah, like, you know, like, Montgomery has, like, a... Yeah, I was gonna say, don't we... Yeah, like, he had an abusive sadist dad, which is awful, but this... I felt but if was, it's the conviction of this was the right thing to do and everybody agreed that it was the right thing to do, that's not the same as I'm doing what I want and yeah. it's fine. It's like the difference between this is best for the child and just I'm going to do what I want, right? Is that what you're trying to say, Holly? Yeah, but yeah, because everybody is convinced that it was the best thing. And like when he's talking about buying a commission for his brother because – he was the Duke and that's what he had to do. And it didn't matter that like he loved his brother more than anybody else in the world. And it would have been fine for his brother to manage at the estates, but apparently not because the second son has to go in the military, whether you want to or not. I, I just found it just so tragic, especially because nobody in the book seemed to think it was. It was very glossed over, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, this is another component of his isolation where he mm-hmm. has a very tragic story, but it's one of those stories where it's Claremont too, where he is making his childhood okay in order to function. And he, so, you know, Bucastle has made his childhood okay in order for him to function. And he's so fixated on duty that his siblings don't even realize how much he loves them until I know Holly says she's fairly annoyed that they're present, but it's not until they're all together at his house And one of them's like, I accidentally walked into the study and I saw him crying and like nobody else thought he had feelings, you know? Yeah. (laughs) The people that were closest to him in his life have been like, he's closed off even from them. So it, it, yeah, it's brushed, it, it, it smoothed over like, well, it was okay. Yeah. When it it really, really wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess it's like, you're right. It's, it is like Claremont in the Courtney Milan book where- it's a similar kind of thing, except there the text makes it explicit that what happens to him wasn't okay. And here the text is like, no, maybe this was the right the right course of action in terms of what we need from our aristocracy. I mean, it's a very different Vibe. book yeah. substantively. It's a very different yeah. book politically. Well, yeah. the other thing is We don't get a lot it, of the whole... Yeah, I think you have to think of it also in terms of the fact that, like you said, this is the sixth book in a series. And so mm-hmm. if at the end of the book, we're sitting there being like, oh, my gosh, look at what was done to him at the expense of of his childhood and his sense of self. And none of these other clowns noticed or gave a crap or like paid attention. Like if if it wasn't made OK in this book, we don't feel good about them. negatively right about the yeah. siblings because you're supposed to care. And yeah. so I think it kind of had to happen. Like it had to walk that fine line between, wow, Bucastle, you know, this ver- this Bucastle that we've known for these past books isn't the isn't really him. You know, like we haven't seen him and now we can. And it's really like touching. Right. And that something was done to him that was, you know, not right. So that's why I think there's it had to be that way, unfortunately. The worst Duke dad. Well, Holly, you have you know about Duke dads and Duke moms having studied and written about them. Yeah, uh, not extensively. (laughs) Mainly that they all seem to be bad. I know. There's so much trauma. They're like, heavy is that? That was horrible. Where's the not crown? So segue to like 
Also, absolutely terrible parents. Overtly <laughs> terrible parents. The courtesan oh, duchess. All right. Our dear Nick, Mr. Colton, so mad at his parents that we have a revenge against dead people plot. Love it. Love it. <laughs> so logical. <laughs> he okay. is so tightly in control. That so man. I was... Oh my gosh. This book, guys. Okay. So I know... We can talk about what makes you upset. Let's let's just ease into it. Let's talk. Uh, I have a question about Dookie Dukes. Okay. Can you be a Dookie Duke if your entire personality is about ignoring your duty and your dukedom? Well, I don't I, like this guy. Really rake. depends. So, okay, Ingrid, tell us why it depends. Here's why. Here's why it depends. It, you could, and I believe that some characters in our list have kind of walked that line because we've had some that wanted to reject right their dukiness, but we've talked also about how. They, they fight it, but then throughout the book, there's textual evidence that, that this is a role they were born to have because it's in their bones. Like, you can't mm-hmm. ignore. Are you talking about Claremont again? We're talking about, we're back to Claremont and his, like, you know I can't innate remember. privilege. Yeah. Courtney Milan, where it's his innate privilege, but he's also pamphleteering in favor of yes, the labor movement. Yes, that's the one. <laughs> so, like, like you're, so duke, cool. you're so dookie, you're so dookie, and you're taking the privileges of being a duke, and you're using the power of a duke, and you have the wealth of a duke. Like, you, you walk like a duke, you quack like a duke, you're a duke. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, it's kind of like that. So, so I did, think, you, did you now, feel like the, this guy was like that, too? Absolutely not. This duke needed a diaper. <laughs> I am so sorry, Colton, but you needed some extra time in the egg. Let's just say that. He, yeah, I felt like he was more of a rake. He could have been any kind of rake. And her problem would have been the same problem if they had, if he had been a mere mister with a big estate and he pieced out on his big estate and his. You know, and like didn't send her, set her up with an allowance, her. right? Yeah, exactly. so accurate. Yeah. Yep. So Nick Colton really didn't feel like a duke to me at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I mean, even when he's in London again, so he's gone off. So Colton has, let's see, a little bit of backstory. He was the younger son. His parents hated his guts, and I mean, should I say later we learn it's because his father raped his mother. So yeah. she hated him because of but that. It's like I felt in like the that last was not, couple pages and it's Yeah, that was not developed. There. Yeah. It's not even like it It wasn't relevant or important <sighs> to the story. I actually so, got a little mad when that was brought up because not only was I kind of like for real, but I was also just like, dude, you've jumped the ship so many times at this point. This is the loose end you decide to tie up. That's the one. All right, good choice. So he his parents were both terrible to him and then his older brother's wife there's a lot of hazy mystery surrounding her i personally would have appreciated if i had had a clearer picture of like why the heck i was supposed to care about any of that but it was very hazy like we definitely shouldn't trust her but we don't know why and like what happened with his brother and i don't know what's going on and then of course it turns out she's like classic evil other woman but very classic evil other woman oh my gosh I just, this one, this one really got me. So his brother commits suicide. So his father forces him to get married um, by threatening to say what happened with his brother. And he loved his brother. So 
he gets married. But he doesn't want to do anything else to appease his father, so he runs away to the continent and lives large for the next eight years. Meanwhile, his estate is like not being taken care of at all. He doesn't Mm -hmm. care about it at all. He hasn't touched it at all. And his wife is so not taken care of that she's not even living on one of the ducal estates or in a ducal property or having her rent paid by the estate. She has to take her little stipend that she's had to like, scrimp and save for or argue for and pay for her own lodgings with her aunt and he just doesn't even he's like in the beginning colton is acting like it's her fault (laughs) and he doesn't have to care about her because she's part of his father's scheme to force him to yeah she's a puppet be the duke oh man yeah even that changes. Even that's inconsistent because in the beginning, Colton himself talks about how, oh, she's a puppet. You know, like there's vitriol there, right? Mm-hmm. But then later when he's talking about it, he's like, oh, yeah, I mean, she's probably a victim in it too, but I just can't deal with it. So which mm-hmm. one is it? <laughs> there were inconsistencies galore. And that that did bother me a little bit. Yeah. Anyway. So, okay. So he's self-centered. I mean... But yeah, I mean, he doesn't have, you're right. He's like very self-centered, but he doesn't have any of this like isolation wealth stuff. He's not isolated at all. Yeah. He does in the second half have some like weird class ideas about like, well, my poor wife that I made do all this weird sexy stuff with is probably horrified because she's a proper lady. And so now I'm not good enough to be with her because I shamed her by I shamed her by really making hot her sex give me her. a blowjob. Like, <laughs> right? But what they do isn't that kinky, readers. Just so you know, the first half of this book has a lot of sex, but it's pretty vanilla. <laughs> He's Would very upset because she lost her virginity in a chair. Also, yeah. she studied with like a famed famed courtesan you -hmm. would think that maybe she would have gotten some fancier tips than that but (laughs) but this is a trad pumped historical romance and we can't go totally off the deep end kinky you're not wrong you're not wrong you're not wrong maybe a little maybe a little wrist holding historical romance from 2015 i feel like well maybe not maybe well, Ingrid, didn't you just read one with a dildo in it? Like, yes, I did. I did read one with a dildo well, in it. In and this it one, was, I think it should have been on the list, honestly, but I digress. We, too late, too late in the pot. We, in this one, the courtesan teaching the Duchess recommends that she try using a dildo, but she just can't. I thought You're also right. her, well, I have lots of, I have so many feelings about this, but her purity dialogue yeah is also really something you know yes. like i can't use a dildo i couldn't possibly i couldn't possibly take jewels from my husband girl you have no money you sold all your stuff yeah take you're trying to take the trashy diamonds yeah Come you're, on. Tr- you're trying <laughs> to essentially i mean this is people who are upset about the duke and i but the plot mm-hmm. begins in this with julia intentionally setting out to get pregnant without her husband's knowledge or consent. Right. 
consent. So, I mean, ethical minefield there. That's that's really not okay. Questionable decisions have abound in this book. Although, to be fair, they do say explicitly, like, how are we supposed to have a healthy marriage when we've basically torched and torpedoed this thing from the moment we set eyes on each other in Italy? Like, that is acknowledged that they basically did all the worst things you could do to your partner. Yeah. So there's that. (laughs) Yeah, this was rough. And she was, I thought it was interesting that she was ultimately portrayed as having a righteous indignation about his reaction to her plot. Oh, so I had gotten sidetracked. He comes back to London, all full of piss and vinegar, because he figures out what she's done and like any thinking person would maybe consider believes that she got pregnant by somebody else and wanted to legitimize the child by seducing him as well. Yeah. Like really, how did neither she nor his best friend slash her best friend consider this as a possibility? And then she gets mad at him because he doesn't just trust her. It's like, at what point did you guys build any kind of trust in this relationship (laughs) that he would do that you just think he's owed your trust because are you you're owed trust because you're married like what oh no aaron it's because she's a lady a prim pristine virginal lady aaron that's why yeah which oh my god that's why so she's destitute she's desperate she's already sold off everything that she can sell off but she refuses the jewelry which would probably keep her afloat for several more months if not years She rapes her husband to get a baby with the thought that if she has an heir, then they'll have to give her more money. Why would anybody think that he's the father of the child? Like, he hasn't seen you in eight years. Aaron's <laughs> doing some deep breathing here, guys. <laughs> I, like, I, 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 I can't. I was like, ah! <laughs> I'm so angry about do you guys yeah. not agree with me? No, oh, no, we, I agree. Oh, I, yeah. And for the sake of the conversation we're having, I agree that I think that this plot, and I say, I use that term loosely, this plot <laughs> could have happened with really any member of the aristocracy. I don't think it needed to be a duke. There was no evidence that I saw that implied that that was deeply necessary. I mean, honestly, like, there, I think there could be an argument that he might not even necessarily need he he wouldn't necessarily even have to be nobility like if he were just a super wealthy person and there mm-hmm. was some kind of inheritance on the line that would be enough yeah mm-hmm. so yeah. which makes it you know a bit easier for our the sake of our discussion yeah i agree i mean should we should we move on like is there a, i mean because i feel like i agree with ingrid that colton did not have to be a duke and I think we all agree that Bucastle has Maybe to be a duke. Could right? not be dukier, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Could not, right? That he, I mean, like, if you really want to push it, you'd be like, well, it's just him and his title. And in reality, it could be any kind of title, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't work the same way. I mean, I think it's the same as some, some of our other arguments. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, he could be a man fighting for his life. He could have a, a slightly lesser title, but it just hits yeah. Right with the Duke title. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think our um our Elite Eight discussion is gonna be more challenging. That's right. Yeah. 
All right. So, but yeah, I cried so much reading this book. Like, when <laughs> Holly, I love that you oh cry so much during books. It's so good. <laughs> oh my god! Like, I finished it, and then I had such a book hangover. I was like, I can't even. I can't even do my job right now. What is happening? <laughs> oh, very rarely are we all like oh my gosh, this book was so good. And I also was like, this book was, it It hit. It was good. Oh man, it hit. Like, I'm not going to lie. I was really annoyed when all the siblings showed up because I just like, and also because I was like, this book is a million hours long. It is very long. <laughs> I'm sorry. Did you meet Gervaux? Hey. Hey. That book is 600 pages long. No, but Almost. this book read long, right? It, like, you just the way flowers it was read long. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I thought it was going to be in retirement by the time I finished that book. Ingrid, she thinks it's the greatest book of all time. There's no it's talking. so long. <laughs> okay, no, but this book, I think it's the way the plot is structured because they have sex so early and then the, he does his first propo- indecent proposal and then you think they have a rapprochement and then they don't and then they like have another maybe rapprochement and then they don't and then you're only halfway through the book and you're like where is this gonna go yeah she's not a fast-paced author yeah, Mary it, Bello. yeah so i i still cried it still hits and i'm like that was a good one bucasa yeah. slaps which is interesting because how did you guys Let's see. So for our brackets, I've I said that Bucastle wins over Colton. I did not. Oh, that's because well, of no, the I had the my whole like series theory, which turned out to be one hundred percent not <laughs> the way it goes. This so, is how the brackets go. You have you to know, go with your that was that was a false guess on my part. And you know, those these books I like Villiers and Bucastle seated high for a reason. Yeah, they did. Fascinating. Oh, you got cocky, but you still have Montgomery and Gerbil going. And I think those are going to be. Yeah. I think this next conversation is going to be very interesting. Anyway, so it, I think very clearly we're all in agreement here that Wolfric Bedwin. Wolfric Bedwin. Hands, hands down, landslide. He's hands the Duke, down. The dukiest duke. Colton has to go back to Duke school. They did a mercy win. Mercy roll on this one. Yeah. So many runs ahead. You guys don't know. Okay. No. No. Aaron, (laughs) we don't do sports. Come on now. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So, but next time we're going to try to tackle the Elite Eight all-in-one conversation and narrow it down to the final four. So we'll see how that goes. I mean, hopefully since we've talked about all of them. Hopefully we can remember all of them. Some of them are going to be really fresh in our minds and some of them are not. Maybe you guys should go listen back to all of our podcasts to make sure that all of our arguments are fresh. Yeah. Well, anyway, so next time, Elite Eight. Full show notes can be found at smutreport.com slash podcast. And keep it smutty, folks. Na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-smut-report!